Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you this morning as we continue our series titled A Faith That Works, where we're continuing uh, through our verse-by-verse study with the book of of James. If you've never read it before, go ahead and read ahead. But we're going to go through this for quite a while, and I hope you enjoy it and you learn more about our Lord and the Christian faith through this series. So far, we've learned that James, he is the brother of Jesus who didn't believe in Jesus during his earthly ministry, but after the cross, more specifically after the resurrection, he put his faith and trust in Jesus because wouldn't you, if somebody can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, you just tend to believe everything else they say, right? It kind of works that way. And he ended up believing in Jesus and being raised to this prominent church leader um, at the very beginning. For the past two weeks, we've been focused on trials and temptations. We learn that you and I, we should expect trials in this life. Doesn't mean we're going to like them, but we should expect trials. And these trials have the ability to strengthen and deepen our faith. That doesn't mean God necessarily causes everything that happens, but it does mean when these hard, difficult things in life do happen, we can get something from them. We can grow and mature in our faith. So we should expect them and understand that they're there. We also learned last week that evil is real, in case you didn't know that, right? We learned that evil is real, and we can be led away by our own, by our own evil desires, those things that live within us that we all, you all know what I'm talking about. We're going to act like, well, not me, but you're right. Our own evil desires can lead us away, and sin wants to produce death and decay in our lives, but God wants to do something greater. He wants to lead us towards maturity. We ended with this verse last week. James 1.18 says this. It says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So God chose to do something through his word that you and I could be his first fruits, meaning like these set apart ones, these set apart people. And so James continues this theme of what it looks like to continue in the word of truth. That's what we're going to learn about today, not only individually, but corporately, how we can live out the word of truth. Today's all about God's word at work. That's what we're going to focus on. God's word going to work. He's going to talk about specifically three ways in which God's word wants to go to work in our lives. First, our speech. And he's going to talk about our actions. And then how God's word wants to go to work in our religion, which will be fun. So let's dive in. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to James chapter 1. We're going to start on verse 19. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be right up here on the screen. James says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, who's everyone? Everyone, you can't use the word back when I, you can't use it in its own definition. All right, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God 
desires. Now, in a bit, we're going to learn about how God's word wants to continue doing things in our lives, but he reminds us, this is pretty cool, of how our words, our words do things in the lives of other people as well. We've all heard that sticks and stones don't break my bones. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We all thought it was cute when we were six years old and we finally had a comeback to say, But as we grow up, we realize it's not true, is it? Yeah, words can hurt very deep, a lot more than sticks and stones. But see, the power of words shouldn't surprise us. Think about it. God's word has the ability to create. Words in the Bible are never an unimportant thing. And since we were made in the image of God, our words have power as well. Now, not the same power as God's, but our words can do some amazing things. Think about it. Our words can inspire. Our words can lift up. Our words can build up. Our words can express love. It can encourage people. It can communicate forgiveness. It can communicate that you want to be friends. Your words can thank people appreciate people. I mean, words are powerful, but with that, they can also tear down, cut down, cut deep, harass, gossip, hurt others, embarrass others, and downright break other people. God's word, our words, are powerful. So James says, you need to do something with this. And your communication with other people so there's three things I want you to do. And the, the, the thing about James is he doesn't hide what he's saying, does he? Here's exactly what you need to do. You're like, you know, no, I need to figure out how to get out of it. He's like, no, no, we're not going to let you get out of it. Here's exactly what you need to do with each other. Quick to listen is the first one. And we all know the applications are endless when it comes to listening quickly. But quick to listen means to take action, not to speak, right? But to listen and hear other people out. And think about it. It's through our listening that you and I become and are sympathetic. We can grow in our empathy by listening to other people. Listening is the way that we treat people as important and valuable creatures made in the image of God. Listening is one of the key ways in which we can be sensitive to other people and their feelings. And I don't know about you, but I've told you this before, that when I used to hear that I was supposed to be sensitive, I thought that was just something for girls to do. Nobody else? Fine. It's just me then. I just thought that was something girls did. I thought you had to like potpourri, candles, and be sensitive. It was all the same thing. But what I learned was, y'all start some conversations. Okay, y'all can talk amongst yourselves. I can wait. Yeah, but no, being sensitive isn't a bad thing. It's not a girly thing. It's a human thing. Sensitive just means you're smart enough to consider how other people feel. You just care about how other people feel and you just accordingly. You remember that they are made in the image of God and they are children of God and you should care about their feelings. So being quick to listen is a general principle of life. I mean, life, the limitless examples It's found right here in the Bible that you and I, we should be quick to listen. And the only thing that can accompany being quick to listen is to be slow in speaking. He's saying, think before you speak. Consider what you're talking about before you actually talk about it. Deal with the facts. Don't just blurt things out. And it's easy. Think about it. It's rather easy to be slow to speak if I'm quick to what? All right, we missed the first application. We'll go back. Okay, hold on. 
if I'm listening and I'm actually listening, I won't be able to, I'm pointing to the words, right? Speak. They go together. I know it's just like common sense, but it's in the Bible for a reason. Maybe common sense, but it's not common, is it? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And this goes hand in hand. People often talk too quickly. I'm not talking about myself today. I'm talking about other people, okay? We're quick to respond. We're quick to nag. We're quick to just talk about nonsense. I mean, think about it. You've been in those meetings. I've been in those meetings. You're gathered together, and the first person you turn out in a meeting is the person who always has something to say. The one who's always trying to just talk about nonsense or derail the meeting, always talking, talking, talking. You know that. You've been there. So James says, no, no, no. Be slow to speak. Rather than just saying the first thing that comes to our mind, we need to take into account that our words, our words really do matter. Our words have power. We need to be careful with it. Look what Paul says about this responsibility. In Ephesians 4, he says, do not let, un- do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful, that's been bothering me all week, just to let you know, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, hold on, according to your needs of blurting or their needs of listening. This is other-mindedness, right? The other people sitting around you, right? According to their needs that it may benefit you, benefit whom? So you mean I got to be careful what I say for the people who are around me and how what, the people around me, how they feel and what they're going to think about what I'm saying? It's called being sensitive, isn't it? It's exactly what it's telling us to do. You're like, well, that's too complicated. I know. It's very complicated. So if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you can think through all of this during that. But the Bible is very clear that as Christians... You and I, as the people of God, we need to be careful with what we say. This includes, by the way, with what you post. Slow to post. Just remember that. Be slow to post. It should be, we should be slow to post about others, what we say about others. We need to be careful of all of that. For instance, it's okay to give a review for a company if you didn't have a great time or something like that. But there's a difference between giving a bad review and being hateful. Isn't there? One isn't helpful. One is just being mean. Right? You can be right. Remember this. You can be right, but spiritually wrong. Think about that next time you post or you write something. For me, I'm glad I've convicted you a little bit. For me, what has applied to me is sarcasm. A sermon a couple of uh, months ago really convicted me about sarcasm pretty good. And I've tried to get better at it. I was reminded this week I haven't gotten that much better at it. I still have a lot to grow in this area. And listen, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it at all. It's, it's the truth, though. This is an area I have to get better at because what I've heard and learned is sarcasm helps absolutely nobody, especially the bystanders, especially the people listening. It's not helpful. And so I'm, I'm sinning against the Lord. I'm sinning against what God's asked me to do. I'm in sin there. And I said, okay, Lord, I can't i got to be careful of this because Paul says take into account of others here. So generally, I just need to get rid of it. We'll see why Paul will tell us in a minute. So that's my thing. How about yours? How about gossip? How about being slow to speak? Oh, it's not up there anymore. But how about being slow to speak about things you actually don't know anything about? Isn't that what gossip is? Just talking about unconfirmed things with other people that you don't even really know and you just decided you want to talk about them? 
Yeah, that's what gossip is. And think about this. Gossip spreads like wildfire. So one of the ways to apply this is to quit gossiping, to not talk about other people. You know what a better thing to do is than talk about other people? Talk about you. Because at least when people spread that, it'll be true because they heard from you, right? Right? I mean, instead of talking about other people's issues, what if I just talked about my issues? Hey, here's what I got going on. Here's the things I need to work on. That person will turn off real quick because it gets serious and heavy, and they're like, okay, I don't, I don't know if we want to do this. Or it can lead to a great spiritual growth, an amazing conversation. So be honest with others. Tell them what's going on in your life. We don't need to talk about others. We all have plenty of things we got to work on. So talk about those. And next up, James says, be slow to anger. And he tells us why. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I was angry with James for saying this today, this week. I decided to argue with him, and I realized maybe he's right. Be slow to anger. He tells us why. Because what we try to do when we're angry, when we are angry, the things we try to do, the things we do do, will not do what God wants you to do. Your anger will not produce the righteousness of God. So all those things that you feel justified and you feel right and I'm righteous and I got to fix this. James says all of that stuff you try to do because you're angry will not produce what God wants. How many times have you guys quit something because you were angry? And God said, why didn't you just wait? Come on, have you all ever thrown an adult temper tantrum? Do you want me to describe it? I know, I know, I know who you are. I can just talk about it. You want me to give some examples? You ever thrown an adult temper tantrum where you just got so angry you said, I'm done? So did that, did that produce what God wanted out of you? Did you grow the kingdom through that? Did you grow in maturity? Did you help other people? Did you show love? So we say, well, no, we're anger. Quick to anger. You see, God's word wants us to deal with these things. He wants to, God's word wants to interact with our communications. So if you are quick to anger, if that's you, deal with it. Get rid of it. Work through it. Get help. Deal with it. Just, just listen, today, just between you and me, be honest about it. If you're angry, just own it. Just say, I'm an angry person. It is what it is. At least start there. Because if we were to be honest in our communications, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, isn't this exactly what we want from other people? Don't we want people to listen to us when we're expressing what's going on in our lives? Don't we want people not to interrupt us when we have a thought? Don't we want people not to keep going on and on and on and on and on and on about the same thing? Don't we want them to, to, to tamper that down? Don't we want others to be slow to speak about things they don't know about that's going on in our lives? Instead of gossiping about us? Don't we want people to be mild and gentle with us instead of angrily outbursts? So of course we do. Of course we do. So how about we do to others what we want them to do to us? So God's word wants to work in your communication, but he's not done. This is the thing about James, endless application. This is going to be fun today, right? Verse 21. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Sarcasm. He got me again. Sarcasm. Moral filth and the evil. Well, I don't know, James. I don't like that word evil when you're talking about me. Do y'all? 
right? He gets to the point. It's evil though, and evil that is so prevalent and humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. If we are to be self-controlled in our interactions with other people, we have to take off the moral filth and the evil that's going on in our lives. You see, if we don't think it's a big deal, James says, no, no, it's a very big deal. Remember, sin and evil leads to decay. It'll lead to decay in your communication. It'll lead to decay in your relationships. That evil inside of you really does matter. That stuff you don't think's a big deal. He said, take that off, get rid of that, replace it with God's word, humbly accept what God says. So take off this filth, put in the goodness. Don't just take it off and have this void and then just be trying to find something to fill it. He said, no, 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 get rid of that and fill it with something good because James says, you're not fooling anybody. I said, what do you mean? He said, remember what Jesus told us, Matthew 15? Next verse. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from, mm, you're not fooling anybody, your heart, and these defile them. James is saying that speech with others, that stuff you don't think is bad, we know what's really going on. There's a heart issue. There's some stuff in there that you need to get rid of. Check your heart. Take off that filth, take off that sin, and humbly accept God's word. Which means if we're going to be humbly, we can't be prideful. I don't know everything. I sometimes do get off. So let me accept what God says. Let me behave how he asked me to do. So we accept God's story about our lives. We accept that God wants to take us towards maturity. We accept that we're not there yet. That we all have to continue to grow, and it doesn't matter our age. We all have to continue to grow to be more like Jesus Christ. You and I, we are his masterpieces, Paul tells us, that he's creating. James says this, verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Some of us want to forget what we look like, don't we? But he says, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that we immediately forget. It's as if we looked in this mirror and then we forget what we look like. And so he says, check this out. and Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest about ourselves. If you would have looked in the mirror before you came to church today and you saw your hair was messed up, would you have fixed it? I'm going to get to us who don't have hair in a second, okay? If you looked in the mirror and your hair was out of place, didn't look good, would you have fixed it? We say, yeah, of course, but I'm going to church. I mean, I'm going to public. If your shirt had a bunch of stains on it, would you have fixed it? If you would have missed that spot shaving or if you stunk. Some of us are saying no to everything. I hope you at least put on deodorant. If not, we have some other conversations we're going to have, okay? If you would have caught any of those things before you came to church, would you have dealt with it? You say, well, of course I would have addressed it. In the same way, when you look into God's word, when you hear God's word, it's like a mirror pointing back at you, expressing and showing you flaws. And the question is, why do you care more about your hair than your heart? Why do you care more about your hair than your heart? Why do you care more about your shirt than your marriage? 
Bible is like a mirror pointing back at us, saying, you fix this other stuff. You don't walk away from it. You want to look good. You want to look clean. You're so worried about presenting yourself, but what about in here? Because that's what God's looking at. That's what God wants to deal with. That's what God's working on. Why do we pay more attention? Why are we more vain about our appearance than we care, than we worry about our soul? To which James says, don't think your goal is to come and just listen. Don't deceive yourself. It's to do it. Be doers. God wants more than that. To which the best application or another application is if we never even look in the mirror to see how messed up our life is. If we never even open up God's word. How scary is that? We would never think not to look in the mirror before we go out. Do we look at the mirror of our souls before we go out daily? We have a heart checkup daily and allow God to speak to us. So the good thing is we have mirrors a whole lot more readily available than they did back then. This hits us hard, doesn't it? New Testament scholar Douglas Moose says this. He says, for God's word cannot be divided into parts. If one wants the benefits of its saving power, one must also embrace it as a guide for life. The person who fails to do the words, James, do the word, James therefore suggests is a person who has not truly accepted God's word at all. See, the Bible is like a mirror pointing back at you. Not to talk about just what the Pharisees did wrong, not to talk about how your neighbor's messing up. The Bible is a mirror to cause you to reflect on what's going on in your life, to point out a sin, to penetrate your lives. A little tip I learned years ago, and maybe it'll help you, was every time I approach the Bible is to ask, what is God saying to me? And that means that I believe he's going to speak. I'm going there anticipating him to speak. What is God saying to me? And the second is, what am I going to do about it? Sometimes it's nothing, but at least I'm honest about it. What is God saying to me? Imagine if you walk, because if you walk to that mirror, you have a goal, right? How do I look? What do I want to look like? And what am I going to do about it? If we went to God's word, what is he going to say? Because he's going to talk. And then what am I going to do in light of what he says? But we think, yeah, but, but fixing my hair only takes a couple of minutes. Changing my shirt, it only takes, it, it doesn't take much time. But what the Bible says, what Jesus says, takes so much more time. To which James would say, yeah, of course. Of course it takes more times. But he says, let me explain this to you. He says this, but whoever looks intently in the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be, say it with me, blessed And what they do. If you want to live a blessed life, which I know every single one of us do, or you wouldn't be here this morning. Every person wants to live a blessed life. And this isn't just prosperity gospel stuff. This is actually Jesus stuff. He talked about this too. Look at what he says in John 10, 10. Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember decay and death we've been talking about. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The world isn't neutral. The world wants to take you towards decay and decay, this, this sin, but Jesus has come to give you life to the fullness. Both of us, you and I, all of us, we're going to spend time either way. You're either going to spend time apologizing, being angry, 
fussing, posting, dwelling in all that negativity. You're going to either spend your time doing that or you could spend your time practicing the things of the Lord. One will lead to decay and death. One will lead to a blessed life where God comes in there and starts working in you. And I don't know about you, but I hope it's true. I brush my teeth in order to prevent decay. So brush your soul with God's word. Allow it to work in there. Every time you start brushing your teeth tomorrow, you're going to be like, oh, I got to go read my Bible. Good. Please brush your teeth. It's a good thing, okay? But let's talk about this. Go to the next slide. The perfect law that gives freedom. That word law probably causes us to pause and go, wait, 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 wait. I thought I was a Christian. Listen, the way they talk about these things is very important because we can never forget that Christ didn't come and say, here's some nice to have things. Here you may want to try. If you're not too busy, like I know, you're, I know you got other fun stuff. Just in case you have nothing else to do, try this out. No, no, no. The Lord of all did not come and say things like this. He gave us principles for how to live a life for him. Look what Paul says in Galatians 6.2. This isn't just the James thing. Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. See, one of the common things, one of the common mistakes we all make is think these rules and these laws are a bad thing. But what else can you explain? Now, remember, this isn't, just to, let me back up a second. This isn't the Mosaic law. This is something different. This isn't, this isn't not talking about the Old Testament here. Something else that Jesus has come to do, and let's talk about this. This is the perfect law of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but usually when I hear about laws, I hear about them trying to stop me from doing something fun. But the truth is, depending on the laws, generally, laws actually give us freedom. Think about driving. If we didn't have these laws to drive, if we didn't have laws about how old you need to be, the things you need to know before you get in the car, what side of the road to drive on, when to stop, when to go, what you can and cannot drink. If we didn't have any of those laws, how easy would it be to drive? You're like, well, that wouldn't be a big deal. Okay. Would you get on the road if you knew my six-year-old was in my Jeep deciding to do whatever he wanted to do out there? You'd be like, no, that would create chaos. All right, those laws actually give us the freedom to enjoy driving. They give us the ability to, to actually drive. These laws give us the ability to practice something, and that's what Jesus has done with these, these laws, this way of living for him. A popular author talks about discipline equals freedom. It's not a new idea, but he goes on to explain the more freedom you want, actually the more discipline you need. It makes sense, right? If you want the freedom to walk around and be active, you need the discipline of exercise and a healthy diet. It just goes to hand in hand. You won't have the freedom to do those things if you don't eat well and you're not active. You just won't. You won't be able to move. If you want the freedom of time, And you want all this free time, you need the discipline to get your work done. It's just how the world works. This is a biblical idea. And what we find is following Jesus will give you far more freedom in this life. Will give you far more freedom. For instance, when I was younger, I thought God wanted me to do everything I didn't want to do. 
And everything I wanted to do, he said I wasn't supposed to do. I said, God's just a fun police. Y'all ever felt like that? Y'all didn't have fun growing up. I did. Okay? Everything I wanted to do, he said I couldn't. Everything I didn't want to do, he said, yeah, you get the point. But what I learned and what so many people learn, young people learn, is my definition of doing whatever I wanted to do really didn't lead to freedom at all. You know what it led to? Being grounded and suspended. My freedom did not work out very long. Doing whatever I wanted, which I really did try my best to do, led to far less time, less hanging out with friends, less enjoying the things I really wanted out to do. And you've already learned, carrying out those sins that you didn't think were a big deal led to some devastating consequences, didn't it? A lot of baggage and a lot of I'm sorry's and a lot of other things. You actually had a lot less freedom. It's as if it was a prison. Our sin is... We're slaves to it, or it chains us, and it locks us up and does something. But she, being a mature disciple of Christ, whatever time it may take, whatever effort it may take, will lead to far more freedom in your life. You will find following Jesus will allow you to enjoy that marriage. We all know a good marriage creates so much more freedom to enjoy life. When you're fighting with your spouse, how fun is that? Oh, y'all don't fight with your spouse, just me? Okay, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to believe that one. Yeah, it creates far less free time. Creates far less. Following Jesus with your kids, investing that time in your kids with the things that God, you're like, yeah, but we got other things to do. I know, but it will lead to more freedom. When they get older, you will spend far less money on getting them out of trouble. You will have far less regrets later in life when they're wasting and you watch their path. You'll go, oh, look, you'll be sitting there worried. Talk to countless parents. I wish I would have done things different. I wish I would have invested, but it's gone. And do you know what their time's filled with now? Do you think it's freedom? Worry, scared. Following Christ will give you more freedom. Following Jesus will make you blessed in what you do. Doesn't mean the American dream. Please don't hear that in blessing. Your blessing could be you're allowed to sell everything you have and live in nothing. That may be what he asked you to do but you will experience an abundant life in that. So we get out of our way and let God come into our life. Too often we wait till we've created a mess to invite him into our lives. Before we create the mess, we invite him beforehand, before the mess, and God, what do you want to do in this? Instead of getting me out of trouble, God, lead me in this. And so God's word wants to work on your communication. God's word wants to work on your everyday actions. We're supposed to be doers of the word, everyday life stuff. But God also wants to work on your religion. Check this out. Next verse. He says, those who consider themselves religious. Puff your chest out if you do. May want to wait a second, all right? Religious. And yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue. Deceive themselves and the religion is worthless. Ooh, that's rough, isn't it? I know, he's not done yet. Worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. These three items will continue to come up throughout the letter. He's going to keep hitting on these just to give you a heads up. James says, if you think you're a good religious person, because remember, the Pharisees did. They would point to their heritage. They would point to their religious. I'm just a great religious person. You should see them in times I go to church. I even go on Wednesday nights. I am a super Christian. 
can go to VBS. I volunteer. They'd say things like that. I'm a good Baptist. I'm a good Methodist. I'm a good Christian. Whatever you want to say. However you want to look at yourself and whatever you think. James says, but if you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is worthless. It says if you don't have any at all. Religious people today, religious people back then, have a problem with looking down upon people. Looking down at people. Well, why aren't they where I'm at? Why don't they do the things I do? We look down on people, commenting about them. Did you see? Did you see what they wore? Did you see those piercings? Did you see those tattoos? Did you see that hair or lack of hair? We talk about people. This includes gossip, slander, anger, anything else the tongue likes to do. He's not done talking about it. He's going to come back to this just to let you know. He says, if you think you're a good Christian but you do those things, you are wrong. This needs to be a mirror in our lives. Because the sin of the tongue is the things we easily dismiss as not a big deal. How do I know? Because I know y'all. I know Christians. I know me. We say, oh, don't worry about what they said. That's just, that's just how they are. Oh, well, you know, they don't really mean it, what they really meant. We dismiss the sins of the tongue as if they're not a big deal, to which James says, uh-uh, it is a big deal. It is a very big deal. Imagine this, though. He says, <laughs> here's what's flawless. Oops, go back. He says, Religion that our God, our Father, accepts pure and faultless is to look after the orphans and widows in their distress. So imagine this. Imagine if all the religious people, imagine if everyone who considered themselves religious and a good Baptist and a good Christian and a good whatever you want to say, imagine if instead of talking about other people, they started taking care of people. Imagine what would happen. We took all that energy and all that time about talking, 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 and started doing, doing, doing. I said, I don't know about that, but I'm going to go to the homeless shelter today. I don't know about that, but this person, they just lost. I, I got to go level them. I don't know about that. Imagine, imagine. Because that phone call takes time. That phone call takes energy. That phone call distracts you. You've never got off the phone with gossip and felt like actually spiritually good. You may feel good because you feel good about yourself. You feel good that you're better than other people. That's probably, that's horrible. You've never got off the phone with gossip and actually felt good from the Lord spiritually. Go serve a widow or an orphan. Go take care of them in their time of need. Go love on people. Watch how you feel. It's a whole different thing. Rather than talking about people, James is saying, take care of the people who need help. Look after the people. Imagine if we did that, church. Imagine what people would say about Christians. But not only do we look after people, he says, to stop yourself from being polluted by the world. Wasn't there yet, yeah, but being polluted by the world, which is taking off that moral filth, what we already talked about. Good religion, you want to be a good Baptist, good Christian, control your tongue. Meaning, stop commenting about other people's religion. Stop commenting about other people's look, what they do, who they're with, so on and so on. You get the point. Stop talking about it. Concern for the helpless. Rather than talk about them, go help them. And the avoidance of worldliness. That's a high metric, isn't it? You see, God's word wants to work in your life. And I encourage you to get into God's word. 
We've provided several opportunities here at the church. First, we have our worship service. You're here. I'm glad you're here learning, but we don't want it to stop there. I want you to get involved in Sunday school or small groups. Gather yourself with other Christians. Talk about Christian things. Talk about God's word. You're being told every day how to live by your company, by the world, by the news. They're telling you to live like there's no God, and some of you do. We live hopeless. That's why we get into God's word to counter that story, to hear a different story. But there is hope. There is goodness. God is love. He is in control. We also have Wednesday night Bible studies to submerge yourself in God's word. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of those things or even read it on your own. We'll talk about that. But submerge yourself into God's word, not to keep you busy. We don't want to just keep you busy as if you don't have other things to do. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. God's word is powerful. God's word will help you do that if we are doers of it. And so how do we do follow God's word? Well, I want you to try some things with me, okay? First up, I want you to do this. I'm going to try this for a week, okay? I'm going to try for seven, six, six, all right, seven days. I'll try for seven days. Try this with me. Be quick to listen. Will you try this with me for seven days? Be better listeners. Let's practice active listening skills. You're like, what does that mean? Google it. Google it. Google, it's this thing. You can learn all about all sorts of things. But take an active interest, be proactive, and go look up what it means to be an active listener and try it with me this week. Call out your spouse. Like, you're not being a very good listener. Preacher told us to be a good listener. James says it. Jesus says it. You're not listening. You may not want to do that quickly, right? Be slow to say that. <laughs> Got to work through all this before I tell you to do it. But let's try this with me. Commit to your spouse, and let's talk about this. Let's Let's talk about the things we're trying to do as Christians. Let's talk to each other about trying to be better Christians. Let's not leave here and just talk about what's for lunch. Food. How about we talk about, hey, all right, how are we going to be better listeners? Me and my wife, as soon as we leave here, we're going to talk about being better listeners. I'm like, babe, I didn't talk about you this sermon. You proud of me? That's one of the ways in which she listens, and then I hear all, never mind. So anyways, we'll be quick to listen. Quick to listen. What if, what if, imagine this church, imagine if you posted online, I'm gonna be a better listener this week. Imagine if you started talking about the things God's doing in your life on social media. You started being productive on social media, try to encourage other people to say, hey, look, here's what we're learning at church. I'm trying to find a way to actually be positive about social media. I hope you're, I'm helping. Or I just take a log out and never get back on again. That's what I really feel. But if you're gonna use it, what if we were proactive with it? What if we said, hey, we're going to be better listeners. What do you got going on? I want to hear all about it. All right, so quick to listen. Next up, we're going to do this. Let's do this with me. Slow to speak. Hmm, forgive me. I'm going to ask, be, I'm going to apologize all week this week, okay? But let's be slow to speak. How, how many of you is this hard for? Oh, some honest people. Good. I already know you too. Good. I'm glad you raised your hand. Slow to speak. Let's just make this commitment. For this week, we're going to be slow to speak in the meetings. Right, in our relationships, with our kids. And how about this for one week? Those of you who struggle with this, I, just if you do, it's okay. But how about you don't spread gossip this week? Or more importantly, how about you don't listen to gossip this week? Someone goes to call you and tell you about so-and-so. Did you see what they do? Be like, nope, and I don't care. I got to go. We don't hang up phones like that. It's probably anymore, do we? We don't. That was the hang up. That was, that's what that was. We don't. We either pray, sorry. But anyways, how about we get off the phone or we just say, look, I don't want to talk about that right now. My preacher said I'm not allowed to talk about gossip this week. Just own it. 
If you tell them, look, I don't want to talk about gossip, they'll be like, well, I'm not gossiping. Send them the definition, Google it, send it to them, J-A-R. Imagine if we tried this. Let's be doers of the words. And how about this, slow to become angry. If we're quick to listen, if we're slow to speak, if we're really listening with a sympathetic ear, if we're not just speaking our minds, if we're getting rid of this moral filth in our lives, perhaps we would find that we won't be so angry. Perhaps we find it's the gossip. It's all that negativity we're dwelling on all the time that's really coming back out. Don't deceive yourself. What you put in does come back out. We can only be guarded for so long. So what if we did that? We said, all right, I'm not going to be angry this week. I'm going I'm I'm to breathe. Google how not to be angry, okay? Google it. Will you try this with me for one week? And then with that, here's how it's going to help. Here's what will help you. This is a big ask, I know. Next slide. Read God's word daily. Put God's word daily into your life. See what happens. Let's just try it for one week. Start with a chapter of day. If you have a lot of Bible experience, you just go for it. If you don't have a lot of Bible experience, you're like, where do I start? How about this? Start in the Gospel of John. Great book. Read James. Read ahead. It doesn't mean you can't not come to Sunday's worship. That's not what that means. But go ahead and read away. And read James. Read Ephesians. It's one of my favorite books. Um, so, so do that. And how about this? How about when you're posting on social media? Post what you're learning about God's word. Like, here's what I'm reading. Here's what I'm learning. How about we spread some positive messages on social media? So try this. Start reading God's word daily and then do this. Pray to see what God sees. Say, Lord, help me see the world. You see the world. Help me see those people the way you see those people. Those people at work who drive me absolutely crazy, Lord. Help me see them how you see them. Help me see them with compassion. Help me see those people that I need to help that I've been overlooking. Help me see them today. You would be surprised of what will happen if you were expecting God to show you something. Meaning, if every morning you read God's word and you said, Lord, I'm expecting you to show me somebody who's in need today. You'll be amazed at what happens if you're looking for it. It's as if all these coincidences start happening. Because your eyes are open. You're being sensitive to the spirit and saying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? But listen, we've got to create some room then. We can't be so busy with our stuff that we aren't willing to follow God on his leading. Imagine if we had, like, you remember when you were a child and Christmas came? Do you remember how excited you were because you knew something would be there? At least you hoped something would be there. Imagine if every day you prayed and you had that childlike expectation that God's going to show me something today. And, ooh, I'm excited. I might have to give some money away today. Lord, I am fired up. I might have to stop and pray with somebody. I might have to be an encouragement to someone today. What if we were expecting God to show us something every day? And lastly, my final urge is this. If God made it apparent to you today that you have some moral filth in your life, just get rid of it. That thing that you know, that thing that you do, that thing that you say, that thing that you, nobody else knows God knows, get rid of it. If you need some help, I'll help you. If you need some prayer, I'll pray with you. We'll do what you need to do, but work towards getting rid of that. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you proclaiming that we want to be doers of your word. Father, we take James' advice to heart and we commit our words to you. Heavenly Father, we 
understand the importance and seriousness of our words, and we confess that we don't always speak life in the situations. Father, convict and guide us this week to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Also, Lord, we proclaim we want to live into the freedom of the gospel. We confess we've sinned in our lives, and we have sin that's gripping us. Father, we know you've set us free with you, through your spirit and allow us to feel your forgiveness as we come and repent from our sins and confess them to you. Father, help us see the world as you see it. Give us compassion for others. and Let us focus our efforts on helping them rather than talking. Father, we thank you for the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. You're calling us to go deeper into our relationship. And for some, Lord, you're calling them to start a relationship today. I pray, I pray they take you up on that offer of freedom in Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.